Hello, everybody. Hey! <clears throat> Hold on a second. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 468 of the Juice Box Podcast. I don't know why my voice got that high. Sorry about that. Uh, today, let me tell you about the show. Megan's on. She's the mom of two kids with type 1 diabetes. She's going to tell you a story. It's going to be delightful. That's how this is going to go. This one doesn't need a big preamble. It's a great conversation with Megan. Like I said earlier, she's got a couple of kids with type 1. And I really enjoyed speaking with her. While you listen to me speak to Megan, I need you to remember that nothing that you hear Megan or I say on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. couple of quick things. Check out the Facebook group for the podcast. It's Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. It's a private group. Just have to prove that you're a real person and then you can get in and talk about type 1 with over 10,000 other listeners. If you're looking for the diabetes pro tip or defining diabetes episodes, they're in your podcast player, right? You can find them there or you can find them at juiceboxpodcast.com or more specifically at diabetesprotip.com. There'll be a tiny bit more music. We'll thank the sponsors and get started. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. This episode is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. You can find out more at Contour Next com forward slash juice box. Check out the meter Arden uses. It is the most accurate and easy to use meter that I've ever seen. Honest, I'm holding up my hand like you do before a court hearing where you're like, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That's exactly what I'm doing right now because that meter rocks. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Just introduce yourself. I guess I feel like there's so much pressure. Um, okay, so hold on, um, hold on. I'm gonna stop you. Does it really feel like pressure? Because there's just <laughs> everyone like no. stops for a minute. I'm like, just just introduce yourself, and then we'll start talking. And they go, it's "Okay, uh, um, for a uh, Oh, and some people get very formal. They're like, "Hi, I'm Scott Benner. I've you know." <laughs> So it's like it's like it's like their their ex their exit interview at a job and then they sit down <laughs> with the HR guy and like oh we've never met before I'm Scott Benner I'm leaving the company today and I want to leave you some parting thoughts about uh, you know my time here and uh, some people are just like hey I'm Megan my kids got diabetes and they're done I'm like I never know what anyone's gonna say but all right well, are you I nervous guess I'll give the the small little synopsis yeah I'm a little nervous are you really <laughs> yeah it's just a podcast right. I know. Like, you know, this is an NPR. Of course, I know I'm going to hear my voice later and be like, oh, that sounds horrible. Well, I will tell you the same thing I tell everyone else that says that no one knows what you sound like. So you sound to them like however you sound, and they'll have no thoughts about it at all. All right. Well, I'll give it a go. Go So, um, hi, my name is Megan. My husband and I have three boys, and our oldest two both have type 1 diabetes. They were diagnosed at the same time. And they were diagnosed about 19 months ago. Um, so currently, they are now 7, 
four, and then our youngest is three, the one without diabetes. So the the two that, first of all, the youngest one who doesn't have diabetes. I'm sorry for him because this is probably the last time we're going to mention him. And the uh, but the but, I'm sure, but the, <laughs> but the other two. When you say they were both diagnosed at the same time, it my heart right away goes, oh, they're twins, but they're not even close in age. Nope. You just yeah. Are you like sitting on top of a diabetes bomb or something like that? Apparently, like what? Yeah, we're we're first for the doctor and all the nurses in the clinic. Everyone's like, we've had siblings, but never two at the same time, and they're always really thrown off by the fact that they're three years apart in age, and huh. we and there was no you know clear onset. They're like, were they both sick at the same time? We're like, nope, not at all. They were very healthy that entire winter. So okay. we have no idea why the timing was like that. I'm sure we, you know, we were looking back at it and we're like, I'm sure they didn't start with it at the same time. We just saw the symptoms at the same time. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to pick so. into this for a second because that's yeah. what I was going to ask. So, okay. So seven and four, is that right? Correct. Okay. And how long ago were they diagnosed? So it was February of 2019. Well, that tells me that they were six and three at the time. Yeah, our oldest uh, was just a little bit shy of his sixth birthday. He was okay. still five. Okay. So which? Hmm. So first of all, do you have any inclination about what diabetes is? Like, what was your first thing that? Yeah. Made you think so the kids are we sick? we have type one in our family. Um, on my husband's side, he has two half siblings um, that have type one diabetes. One was diagnosed. I think he was about eleven. Um, but then his sister only was diagnosed a couple of years ago in her 20s. Half um, siblings on his father's side? Yes. Don't know why I care. Just, just double check. Yeah, I don't know. Does okay. it matter? Is there, is there research that goes with that? That would be interesting. I'm just saying. Um, Imagine if I didn't yeah, ask you. Yeah, it's on and... his father's side. Um, and then it's very distant in my family. But my mom has two first cousins who are siblings that both have it. But it's pretty distant. Um, does, does that third boy of yours look nervous? Is he just like, is he walking around going, oh, damn it, I see where this is headed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No, I, you know, honestly, I don't think it was ever on our radar that our kids would ever have it, especially since, you know, I think when we had our, actually, when we had all of our children, there was just the one family member, his half brother, um, and his sister got diagnosed later, just probably about a year before our children. Really? So it wasn't really something we thought of much. And then actually by coincidence, um, not blood related, but my brother's wife is also a type one diabetic. Hmm. So we're pretty familiar um, as much as anyone can be familiar when they're not living with it day to day. Um, I also work in healthcare. Um, I'm a speech therapist at an acute care hospital. So I am more um, educated on type two diabetes because I work a lot with stroke populations. I see. So I know the symptoms, you know, I know the, I know what normal blood sugars are. So there's just a day where it suddenly clicked with me and I just knew it. Which, and, which kid did you see it in first or did you see it at the same time? So our middle son, he had just turned three. Um, and I think what was hard for us for a while is since both the two oldest, you know, our, our youngest at the time was only 18 months. So like, you know, he, he's still eating and behaving more like a baby, the other ones, they were doing the same thing. So it was easy to just kind of ignore it and be like, oh, that's normal child behavior. They're always drinking water. They always want more water. They are always saying they're hungry. They want another snack. You know, that's just what our kids are doing. I guess they're growing boys, right? So we explained it away for quite a while. But then our middle, there was one day in particular, I was at work and my mom had sent me a message saying like, he is like begging for water. I was like, okay, well, we have the pediatrician, his three-year appointment is next week. You know, I'll bring it up and everything. 
And then that evening, um, you know, he was still, you know, talking about water all evening and everything. And then all of a sudden it just clicked with me. I had remembered that a little bit after his birthday party, he came up to me in the morning and he still wears pull-ups at night. And I remember saying, you smell so sweet. It must be all those brownies you ate at the party or something. And then all of a sudden it clicked with me that evening. I was like, oh my gosh, when he smelled sweet to me, that was sweet smelling urine. And I just, we were about to put the kids to bed. And I told my husband, I was like, I just, I don't feel right. He shouldn't go to bed. I think he has diabetes. I'm bringing him to urgent care. So I go to urgent care with my super happy, delightful, sweet kid. And they, I'm sure, rolled their eyes at me when I was like, I think he has type 1 diabetes. Like, sure, lady, whatever. They're like, get some sleep (laughs) and and stop drinking after dinner. (laughs) What? They're probably like, get some sleep and stop drinking after dinner. You know, like, calm down a little bit. Um, I wonder how. I'm sure they thought I was nuts. I wonder how often it happens that there's nothing wrong that it starts to seep into people's minds that people overreact. Does that make sense? Like, I, I wonder oh, how, sure how many, all the time. Yeah, yeah, how many <laughs> times they have to look at people and go, Oh my God, there's nothing wrong with you. Get out of here. And then yep. until they start thinking that that way, by the way, I just want to take a detour for a half a second. Anyone who doesn't have children yet, who wants a good reason not to have them. Megan just told you that she smelled urine and thought, <laughs> Oh, that's nice. My baby. <laughs> That could be your life, too, if you make a baby or could just, you know, put some effort into yourself and get a condo. So anyway, uh, if you want to think if you think urine's going to be a big part of your happiness later, um, it's going to be if uh, if you have kids. anyway, I'm sorry, Megan. So there you are. You it's roll into the you roll into urgent care lady. What And what what do they do there? They just is, they do like a urine dip. Um, They did a, a finger prick and he was five thirty something. I think five thirty five. So we instantly knew. Mm-hmm. And I guess even at that point, I guess I still thought, because I, I knew he wasn't like acutely sick. They, he wasn't in DKA. Like there's no signs of that. So I just thought we were would be going home and we'd be following up with the pediatrician or whatever, or, you know, get referred on. I, I guess I didn't really think this was going to turn into a whole hospitalization and everything. So the next thing I know, we're in, in an ambulance to my hospital that I work at, which is not a pediatric hospital. So that annoyed me because I knew they were just going to you know, do stuff there and then send us out to the pediatric hospital. So we took two ambulance rides that night. Um, (laughs) And then so by so my other son still went to school the next day. And when he got home from school, I was talking with my parents. We're like, you know, we saw the same symptoms. I was like, can you bring him to the pediatrician and have him checked right now? Right. So they went and checked him. And then luckily that one was just a direct admit from the pediatrician to the hospital. So he was there in less than 24 hours from when we were admitted with our middle. Do you remember his and blood sugar? His was four something. Piker. Okay. I just remember uh, being on yeah. the phone when my dad gave me the call and my the nurse is standing there and I just start sobbing. And that nurse was so sweet. She had no idea what was going on. And I was like, um, my other son's coming here now. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she was wonderful. Um, so yeah, we kind of took over the floor for a while. With you didn't our consider asking your dad, like, just put all the kids in the garage in the car and I'll be home in a second. We're going to, oh. uh, I mean, that's crazy. Like, no, no kidding. That's legit nuts. That just it was very nuts. Oh my yeah. god, it's like getting hit by a car and standing up and a plane crashing into you. Yeah. <laughs> I like that analogy. That's how I felt at the time. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Just like I can't believe I lived through this car accident. I feel very dizzy and I think my arm's <laughs> falling off, but I'm alive and then boom. <laughs> <laughs> and then as you're dying on the ground, pinned under the plane. 
a raccoon starts eating your feet and you're aware of it. <laughs> that's all. It's just picking at your toes at first. It's like, oh, I'm going to eat these. Uh, yeah, well, I guess that's kind of how we felt. We were waiting for the third wave. We kept on being so worried about our youngest then. So, you know, a couple weeks later is when we start doing the trial net testing and all of that for him. And so far, everything's fine. But like, that's still how we feel. We're like, well, when's that going to happen? You know, oh, 100%. Hopefully it never does. But it's always what we're kind of just waiting for. You must have PTSD. I mean, ser- seriously, right? <laughs> like, you just must walk around like, the, I, I seriously, I'm like thinking like if someone breaks into your home that the rest of your life, you walk around the house thinking like someone's going to come through the window, someone's going to come through, like you just probably can't shake <laughs> it, you know? Well, wow, that's, and, and there's no reason, like, not that anybody would know, but no one's offered an idea or just, it's just random that they both got that, yeah. like, I, that, all right, so hindsight, hold on I a second. Think, I think, yeah, in hindsight. I think our oldest, his son, his symptoms were always a lot more mild um, than our middle. So, I, and I trace it back over a longer period of time of when I saw that. So, I'm thinking he probably actually had it a lot longer and it just wasn't as significant. You know, he was honeymooning a lot longer. Right. Because um, even now, um, like through the whole honeymoon period, he honeymooned way longer than our middle. And even now, he still, I, I'd have to double check it, but I'm, I'm, I still think he uses less insulin mostly on um, a daily basis than our middle does. So okay. something, I don't know, somehow it just like attacked our middle a little bit harder, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I think his symptoms just came on so suddenly and were much more significant. So we noticed it. Right. Um, but I don't, I highly doubt they got it at the same time. Yeah, I'm not saying that someone threw a switch on the side of your house and gave everybody Gosh, diabetes. I hope not. <laughs> but they did. I mean, those thoughts went through our head as we start researching where it came from. We're like, is there something environmental in our home? Or like, you know, all that stuff comes to you. Like, oh, should we be moving out of our house? Is it like, you know, some diabetes trigger? But it's, I mean, I think it's all just a crazy coincidence. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think you, you, you outlined it pretty, pretty well there. Your your middle son symptoms came on uh, more rapidly. You noticed them, and then while it was fresh in your head, you were like, "Oh God, the other kid's been doing that too, but not exactly. as you know, drastically." Yeah. And so it might have taken him. I wonder how long it might have taken him had your middle son not been diagnosed. How long until you would have figured out your your older son had it? It's interesting. Yeah, I think that's what was emotional about it for me too. Is he at this? You know, and around the same time he was having more, um, you know, like meltdowns, just like you know, kind of more. Um, behavior problems and changes and so i think so much of like what was happening we just kind of attributed to that like oh that's just him being dramatic or him do, you know and like <laughs> then i felt horrible being like oh my gosh that, those are medical symptoms too yeah um, you know how bitchy it was just him we would have gone <laughs> we would have ignored it for a while probably i'll tell you for people who don't have children um it's maybe difficult to understand, but I can give you an example that's on you would think would be on such a smaller scale, but almost hit me exactly the same way. When my son was just a few years old, uh, we noticed, you know, over months and months and months that he seemed a little hard of hearing, yet you know, and mm-hmm. he was just sort of like you'd always repeat yourself to him, and it wasn't ever drastic. And just one day, I said to Kelly, "I'm like, I'm going to take him to the doctor and have his hearing checked because this is kind of crazy, you know," and um. Doctor looks in his ear. My my friend Adam looks in his ear, and he goes, uh, "His ear is completely blocked with wax." Oh wow! And I'm like, "Really? Like that's a thing?" Okay, you know, like I this is my first kid. I didn't know. You, you know, we were still like figuring out how to like pay the bills on time and 
you know, stuff like that. And so we were pretty young. And he says, I like to have the nurses do this because I don't like the kids to hate me. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) what? So he leaves the room and the nurse comes in and, you know, she takes this lavage. It's just this water that Mm -hmm. that jets through this tiny little nozzle so that it makes like this, you know, like laser thin line of water. And I guess she's basically drilling a hole through this wax to fill his ear behind it to throw the plug of wax out of his ear. Anyway. I didn't need to describe all that, but the, 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 although it is kind of fascinating, isn't it? And, um, and so the wax comes flopping out onto like a little towel and she dabs off his ear and somebody says, Hey, how's that Cole? And we start talking and he stops us and says, why is everybody shouting? Yeah. And then it made me cry because of exactly what you just said. I thought, how did I not help him sooner? Yeah. You know? Oh, we went through the same thing with my oldest, too. He had tubes put in his ears. He's had wax problems for years. So same thing. Like, we thought we were past it. You know, he had all that when he was really young. Kindergarten comes around. And actually, this was a few months after he got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. The school nurse is like, oh, by the way, he also failed his hearing screening. And I was like, sure, of course he did. I've been so distracted by all this. I kind of forgot about his ears. Like we haven't been to the ENT in a while. And sure enough, I look and he's got like, you know, he's got impacted uh, uh, earwax again. And I was like, Oh, great. So I let your hearing go because we're so distracted by diabetes. So, you know, I'm going to take, I just feel horrible. Yeah. Parenting is just a, like a whole big game of guilt, isn't it? (laughs) It's terrible. And listen, I'll, I'm going to say something after I say this, but I'm going to take interviewing credit for bringing up the ear thing. Cause it brought out your story, even though I had no way to know, but I'm still, (laughs) still taking credit for it. Uh, But, you you know, it's just, listen, the truth is, it feels like a cliche, right? But, you know, from the minute you're born, you're dying. You you know, like, it's Mm -hmm. just you're on some sort of a slow path to deterioration. It's hard to think about, but it's it's true. And when you have something kind of chronic come up or something that's, you know, quote unquote, outside the norm, it feels so crazy. Like, oh, my gosh, my kid has this and this and this. And I stop and think about the things that are wrong with me and my wife and then, everyone I know, and then you come to realize that this no one escapes this. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. something like this is happening to everyone constantly. You don't know, you know, what it is, but it, it's happening to somebody. And and it could be something that's real obvious or something that makes your pancreas stop working. Or like I have plantar fasciitis. Like I walk around like some days of the month and it just feels like someone's constantly stabbing me in the heel. Yeah. It, you know, I don't tell anybody about it, but it sucks. And my life would definitely be better if it didn't happen. You know, so, but everyone's dealing with something. The person who is born and dies 95 warm in their bed without ever being sick probably doesn't exist, you know. But isn't it what you think's going to happen when you make a baby? Yeah, he wish. Yeah, right. right? Everybody thinks that. Like, oh, it's going to be great. It isn't going to be great. It's going to (laughs) suck. Especially when you've been home for months on end and doing e-learning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, When you're learning learning English uh, at the foot of your parents' bed on a a tiny sofa that we drug into our bedroom so that Arden could do her, you know, be be closer to the Wi-Fi signal. Like, that's what high school is. And my son's getting a degree down the hall in his bedroom. It's all going really great, you know. Um, but but no, seriously, it's just it, it it shouldn't be a bummer. It really should be enlightening. Like something's going to happen for most people, you know, varying levels. And I think that a lot of people have something go wrong, and then they think, oh look, see, now life's not perfect the way it's supposed to be. Except I think life's not supposed to be perfect. I think it's supposed to be the other way. Just 
Exactly. Yeah, I think that's one thing that's helped me through all this is my professional experience in helping people overcome stroke and brain injury and in various health crises that they don't see coming. And it comes out of nowhere and you have to deal with your new life, your new normal afterwards. And you don't choose it, but it's you choose to make the best of it. And, um, you know, so I think in running and I used to run support groups for them and everything. So having that experience has helped me get through this. I'm like, this is just our obstacle. This is what we need to do. We have no choice. We can dwell over it and, um, you know, just kind of feel sorry, or we can just move on and say, okay, how are we going to get the yeah. best, you know, life out of this and everything and make it work for everybody. So that's what we do. So best time in the history of mankind to be alive. If this was happening to you while you're on a wagon going out West, trying to mm-hmm. find California, when they went around a little curve on a hill or a mountain or something, they just would have pushed you off the wagon. You know what I mean? That's, that's all. True. They would have been like, Hey, grandma doesn't hear well anymore. Clunk. Oops. <laughs> she fell. That's the end of it. Like nobody's, they leave you in the desert sleeping and everybody just kind of goes away quietly and you freeze to death and a coyote eats you. That's, oh that used to be the world. <laughs> That's just so sad. I've been reading the book. Um, I'm totally, what's it called? Breakthrough? Or I can't remember what it's called. The book about like the history of insulin. Okay. Um, And it's just fascinating. And then yeah, you just, oh my gosh, your heart just breaks like reading and thinking about how these parents dealt with this with these kids before insulin it's just yeah. hor- it's just horrific so oh my gosh i think every day that we have all, all I, the tools that we have it's amazing i try to remind myself all the time that prior to you know 1920 or whatever it was my daughter would have died when she was two that's mm-hmm. all and then she's in the other room i think learning english so you know it's, <laughs> it's amazing I, I it's the same thing that when you hear people like complain about their technology around diabetes i always think like Really? Like, it's not perfect. It's like two years old. Like, they just thought it up like five seconds ago. You you know, like, it's look what it's doing for you. And I know, listen, we should always push towards better. But, you know, I don't know what is made perfectly the first time. And, you know, and so just take the little, everything's got pros and cons. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. you got to take the cons in stride because if not, like, what are you doing? You know, you're going to definitely, yeah, I agree to having, you know, I'd rather have the stuff out to me faster and have a few glitches happen (laughs) than have to be waiting for it to be perfect. Yeah. Um, Well, because by the time they get it, you know, somewhere near perfect, they'll come up with a different idea and then they'll start trying to get that thing to be perfect and you'll never see any of this stuff. And again, you could be just shoved off a hill in 1850. (laughs) Billy looks tired and he's always asking for water. Whoops. You know, like, like, what do you, what do you think happened? Not enough water to go around. Yeah. We let him play with the wolves. It's all fine now. <laughs> it, it just like, you know, it, it, it's, things are so great right now. Now, listen, not to, not to minimize the fact that two of your three children got diabetes on the same day. Cause that, and I'll, I'll just bleep this out later. is fucking terrible. it's really 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 horrendous and i'm sorry for you but how are you guys doing with it all gvoke hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages two and above not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. 
Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit givokeglucagon.com slash risk. You use a blood glucose meter every day, every day, and you count on it. But have you ever wondered if the meter you're counting on is accurate? It's a pretty important question, right? Well, I can point you towards an accurate blood glucose meter. And it's not just accurate, it's easy to use, and it has some other stuff about it that I love. I'll tell you about it in a second. But for now, let me just tell you the name. The Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. This thing is accuracy personified. So good. It's, in fact, the most accurate meter Arden has ever used as we come up on her, my gosh, 15th year of diabetes, maybe? I don't know. If she got it when she was two and she's going to be 17. Yeah, 15 years. Best meter I've ever seen. It's easy to carry, easy to use, has a nice bright light and a nice bright screen. And it has second chance test strips, meaning you can go in, hit the blood, not get enough, go back, get more without changing the accuracy of the test. And you don't waste the test strip. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Head over. It is a website full of information. You know, when you go to a website, you're like, there's nothing here. There's so much at contournext.com forward slash juice box that if I start listing it all here, it's going to boggle your mind. So I just have to leave you with this great meter. You can find out more about it at the website. They also have a test strip program and you may be eligible for a free Contour Next One blood glucose meter. That should be enough to get you over there to check it out. Please use the links in your podcast player or the links at juiceboxpodcast.com if you can't remember the URL, the URL, thecontournext.com forward slash juicebox. I'm going to quickly remind you to visit t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Fill out that survey. Help other people living with type 1 diabetes while you benefit the podcast. Must be a United States citizen who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1. Um, I think we're doing pretty good. You know, I uh, literally the very first night in the hospital is when I found your podcast. So (laughs) I've been a listener for a long time. Um, I'm a big podcast listener to begin with. So one of the first things I did is I'm up all night and can't sleep is what kind of resources can I find online? What Facebook groups can I join? I had an I had actually stopped using Facebook for a while because I hate Facebook, but those groups are so helpful. So I I joined again to get back into those groups. I joined some of those. I started looking for podcasts about type 1 diabetes. And so I just started immediately learning as much as I possibly could. And we went home from the hospital already on Dexcom and we had pumps within a few weeks. And Hmm. that's where we've been. Yeah, that's (laughs) cool. So your proactiveness really got you, like, leapt you forward quickly. I think I think so. Yeah, I think we kind of dove right in and our entire family is incredibly supportive and wants to learn. And um, we had the support of my my sister-in-law coming and helping us right away, coming and organizing the cabinet full of diabetes things. And we color coded everything in the beginning just so we wouldn't mix things up. And for <laughs> one kid like to that. the other, just, uh, everyone kind of helped us and we got we hit the ground running. I'm going to ask about that in a second, but I want to just ask, like, do they, like, do they both use the same meter or the same 
glucose monitor or that kind of stuff? Yes. Currently, we're using everything the same. Currently, they um, both have Omnipod and Dexcom, and we're looping on Autobolus. So we're doing all, everything's the same right now. We have had a few times where we've done things differently for a while. Like my middle, we tried, um, we used to be on Medtronic and we tried auto mode for him and we tried the Medtronic CGM for him Mm -hmm. do the auto mode. So for a while they were on different setups, um, which wasn't too bad, but we try as best we can to keep it the same, (laughs) you know, as long as it's working for them um, and it's not drastically you know, obviously, if one child really needed something different, we'd change it. But otherwise, we, since we get good results, we're trying to keep for it the sim- same so it's easy on all the caregivers. But yeah, for like simplicity's sake, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For my own sanity. Just, just a, a giant <laughs> just the ordering and the organizing and the yeah. replacing. And I just, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine if Arden Supplies came double. I don't even know where I would put them. Oh, we have a big cabinet. I was say, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, like I have a drawer, but a drawer wouldn't, wouldn't do it for two kids. That's great. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, how did they handle it? And are they, is there like a kinship between them over it or not really? Yeah. So they're, they handled it really well. Um, our oldest is very mature about it and he loves like math and everything. So I think he took to it pretty quickly. He started, um, bolusing for himself. Um, you know, he was diagnosed at the end of kindergarten, Um, so he, and he didn't, it was half day, so he didn't eat at school. So we never had to worry about that in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Um, but by first grade, he was doing, he was totally independent at lunchtime. He would bolus his own meals. Um, he's learned, you know, a lot about percentages and fractions because of how much food he ate and, you know, different percent overrides and all that. So he learned a lot that way and he just thought it was interesting. So I think that's how we engaged him in diabetes. Um, and I think he kind of liked showing his brother that it was okay that, you know, like this is how I stay calm during my pod changes and things like that. So they share kind of little tips on this is, you know, how I make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my, our, our middle, he already doesn't remember life before diabetes. I ask him about it. I'm like, you really don't remember like even being in the hospital. He doesn't remember any of it anymore. Cause yeah. he had just turned three. Um, so I think this is all he really knows. And because this is so much of our life, like even our youngest, like he knows everything. He knows how to finger prick. He'll set everything up and, you know, to finger prick his brother. And, um, he always, he'll ask for, you know, the same, like, uh, tape covering, you know, on his arm so he can look like his brothers. And, Uh um, he knows like the alarms will be like, Oh, so-and-so's low. And, (laughs) you know, so that, that it's just kind of part of our everyday life. So I don't, I don't know. It's just, that's amazing. I, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's what you would hope to hear, right? Um, are they ever, um, like, like, is ever, one of them ever just like competitive with the other one? Like, oh, my number or anything like that? They te- is there any of that going on? Any brotherly jiving? I guess the little one's probably little. No, right? actually, I don't think that really comes up very much. No. That's cool. Really. I, I want to understand a little more about your older one and the, the math. Are you, did he learn these kind of concepts through doing? Or did you actually sit well, down? Both. And- I mean, he just, he loves, loves, loves math. Like he is in second grade and he asked me for algebra problems and stuff. Like he's just, oh. he's got a, a math brain. Nice. Um, but I think just early on, it would be like, okay, well, you're, um, you only ate half of the sandwich. And so, you know, we, we talk about his carb ratio and how much then he should get. And, you know, we kind of just introduced it that way. Um, uh, so... I don't know. It's just, I think it was just a really 
real life way for him to engage in something he was already interested in. So mm. he just, I feel like he just accelerated really fast. That's lucky because of that. Yeah. That's yeah. just incredibly lucky, right? That it, it's, it, it hit him in his wheelhouse for the lack of exactly. a better uh, way oh, of yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. So he's always liked being able to control the pump and do things on it. Um, he thinks it's really interesting. And now he's kind of starting to learn about, we talk about the different absorption times for different foods. So he's been learning a little bit about that and tries to, mem- he, he memorizes, he knows more carb numbers than I do. I'll be like, Andrew, what's the snack again? And he'll be like, oh yeah, it's so-and-so. <laughs> you know, so he'll, he'll bring up certain things um, that like we already, we forget it. Like something he hasn't had in three months and he'll remember how much it was. I'm like, oh, all Ar- right, I'll trust you. <laughs> Arden's more aggressive than I am sometimes. Oh, yeah. I'll be like, how many carbs do you think that is? Or you know, how much insulin do you want to use here? And she's always a little stronger than I am. And I'm always like, I gotta try that then. You, you know, like, I don't know how other people think about it, but I used to take the Omnipod PDM. And, you know, there's, if when you were really trying to like roll up insulin, like, because I wasn't, you know, when I counted carbs, let me think about how to put this. So people who have a pump and you push a button up and the you know the number's going one, two, three, mm-hmm. I would just push the button and look at the plate and think, uh, five, seven, 10, 15, 25, 38. And I'd look over and I stopped at like, you know, 48. And I'd be like, eh, that's fine. And <laughs> I just like get it going because I realized I was, every time I tried to be specific about it, I was always too light. So I just thought like, all right, more, you, you know, like more is fine. More works. And, um, I didn't, I wasn't thinking back then about, you know, the different impacts that food has. I wasn't thinking, oh, well, the glycemic load of this food is probably greater than the carb count. Like I, I think about that now a little bit, mm-hmm. but back then I was just like, and stop. And, you know, it was like, it was like, it was like literally like I was on the prices right and came within $10 and I was like, good enough. <laughs> I'm going to stick with that, Bob. Let's go with 48. Uh, and it, it's, it's really interesting to hear that somebody's can think of it so much more specifically and still have really good luck. Are they both having uh, good success? Yeah. You know, the getting on loop has been a huge learning curve. Um, I think it's going much better in the last couple of weeks and we're definitely going to stick with it, but it's been a, a big learning curve. So we've had a lot more highs recently than normal. Okay. Um, but I mean, even, even with that, a month ago or maybe five weeks ago, our middle happened to have an A1C done just because he was having other labs done and he was 6.0. I do think there were probably a few more lows mixed in there too. Um, so I don't know if that was the best indicator because you know some of the other stats aren't exactly where we want them to be. Um, but in general, we've always been between um, probably like 6.0 and 6. 0.7 on a1c's That's the whole cool. time since diagnosis pretty much um so, how so long i think our goals looping? are like our goal is just more stability like a lower standard deviation you know less less um um intervention needed from us and the other caregivers that's kind of our goal with loop and we're just still trying to learn exactly how to get there but we're making strides each time so yeah I, now we're still fighting that like rise right when they fall asleep we're still fighting that like crazy we try everything so really? that's a big one we're working on <laughs> well i have to say i agree with you and i think of it in a very similar way um i don't think about obtaining an a1c i think about stability stability to lower number pre-bolusing 
you know, doing the things that I know lead to success. And then the A1C number just sort of is a byproduct of that. You know, like, like if you do these things, your A1C turns out to be in this spot. Um, If you do them more aggressively, it ends up being lower. You you know, if Mm -hmm. you do it too much, you end up with a problem. So you just kind of stay fluid and and bring it back again. I I think that's an incredibly healthy way of thinking about it. Instead of just thinking about the number, think about doing the thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, yeah, the number, of course we want good numbers, but I really just want them more stable. And I feel like once we see more stability and more predictability, then we can kind of lower our target a little bit from there. Um, But right now it's like part of our problem is not just learning loop and all that it's it's that like we get these wild card days i feel like they're thrown in there and it's like oh well this pump or the pods just currently this one's not working Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of those problems with our middle like we have to change every two days and sometimes even that the second day it's like it's hardly working you're just like pouring more insulin in and it's like not doing anything (laughs) so i feel like there's a lot more variance with him a lot more like huh i wonder is this a pod is this something else is he suddenly growing like there's we're constantly trying to figure out what is the big change? Cause everything will be exactly the same and right. we'll have drastically different numbers. So we're trying to figure that out still sometimes. So does he have sites that work better than others? Does he have sites? Is yeah, that that, yeah. Sites that work better than yeah. others. <laughs> I want to say yes, but I feel like there's still not even really a good pattern to that. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we're, we seem to be getting the best success on his arms. He is so thin all my kids are just, they're thin. So we don't have a lot of fatty spots to put things. Um, Is it hard to but, keep them hydrated with just water? Um, not really. They drink water throughout the day. Um, and a lot, they actually drink a lot when they go to bed. For some reason, everyone likes to drink water while they're listening to stories. Um, you know, I think everyone stays hydrated pretty well in the oh, family. That's cool. I mean, you know, just trying to think through different reasons why insulin would do what you wanted to do or not. And it is really how I think about it. I just think about, you know, is the water do it? Excuse me. I just got a text from Arden that took my mind off of what I was saying. (laughs) I asked her to bolus 10 carbs and I didn't get a response. So I just put like a little like exclamation on it. You know, you can do that to a text. Mm -hmm. And then I got, Oh my God, stop in return. (laughs) Um, And if later I tried to explain to her that if I didn't do that, she wouldn't see it. Then she'll just, stop listening to me while I'm explaining it to her. So anyway, oh, uh, I, I didn't... get it. We have, we have the same kind of situation, just like, you know, if I'm at work and I'm trying to look and be like, did somebody do this? Like, I don't want to be like a nag mm-hmm. to whoever's with the kids and be like, did you do this or not? <laughs> so I, you know, I just learned how in Night Scout, you could put different notes and everything. So I'm going to teach everybody like, here's how you can enter like extra information so that I can see it. And then I won't have to like nag you and be like, was that done? <laughs> right. um, Cause I don't want to sound like a nag. I'd rather be able to just look at the info and be like, Oh great. They just did a finger prick. That's good. Oh great. They just bolus extra here. And you know, I don't think I would nag. I don't think of it even as nagging, but I think the thing that bothers me and I think might resonate with people is that w- when I text you, Hey, is the house on fire? The entire time between after I hit send and when you respond to me as to whether or not the house is on fire, Mm -hmm. I'm standing perfectly still like a dick wasting my life. (laughs) That's how I feel about it right there. I feel like I'm like I'm standing here waiting for someone to respond to me. I'm not talking to Megan. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Sometimes you're in a grocery store standing perfectly still Mm -hmm. waiting for someone to respond to you. Or you're, you know, you get in your car and you go to drive away and you're like, hey, real quick, can you bowl us a half a unit? And then they don't respond. Now I'm sitting in a drive, like in a parking lot (laughs) in my car 
waiting for someone to respond. And I just, I've explained to her a million times. I'm like, look, I'm not bothering you, but try to put yourself in my shoes. You've put my life in stasis. I'm just paused. You, you know, like I'm paused waiting to hear back from you. And I was like, and after 30 seconds, it starts feeling like, what am I doing <laughs> like with my time? You know, like I'm standing here waiting for someone to respond to me. And so I'm not trying to bug her. I just want to make sure she sees it. And, you know, anyway, I'm sure every parent in the world had, has had that thought at some point. It just, that's the part of it that bothers me. It's the, it's the wasted time while I'm just sitting there going, uh, okay. And then by the way, what if she didn't see it? Exactly. So now I'm like, yeah. then I text again, Hey, and, and then she'll say, Oh my God. Like, or I didn't see the first one. It's good thing you sent me the next one. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it's a it's a horror show. Uh, but yeah, I don't like standing there. It just makes me it, it just bothers me, you know, for the, the the wasted time and just the pausing. It's just like I'm yeah, like, oh. I uh, feel bad. So um, my husband sleeps through absolutely every alarm. An alarm will never ever wake him up. So, you know, I'm the one that wakes up to the alarm. So as a backup, just in case, um, my dad still has like the urgent low alarm on his. Mm -hmm. So anytime there's like any sort of urgent low or anything at night, my dad always just sends a, an email like, is he okay? And I have to respond back like, yeah, I'm on it. I'm awake, you know? Otherwise, so like the plan is like, if I don't respond within like 30 seconds or a minute, he calls me. <laughs> so I And I always that. think of my poor dad, like as quickly, like I think even before I go do any treatment, I'm just like, yes, I'm up, I'm up. It's okay. <laughs> like I always just try to make sure because I know he must be sitting there in the middle of the night being like terrified because he doesn't know what's going See? on. You know, so. <laughs> and that compassion that you have for your father is really all I'm asking for. <laughs> um, and by the way, you said he emails you. Is, is does he not have his fax machine handy? What, what <laughs> no, I think they, I don't, I guess I don't know why we don't text. I think originally, <laughs> well, part of it's because like he doesn't know for sure if I'm, if it's still my husband's duty time or if it's my duty time. Like, so a text message wakes me up. Like it has a, you know, uh, I have an auditory sound, I, uh, audible sound. I don't want to, um, whereas my email, I don't. So I think I he's to. trying to make sure he doesn't wake me up if I don't need to be woken up if my husband's in charge at that time, you know? So it's just it's someone responds really to the email. And then if we don't respond to the email, then we get the phone call. So it's more just like to make sure I'm sleeping. Yeah, I hear. <laughs> it's a very weird bounce. Also, not to give your husband life advice, but never let your father-in-law complete something for you. It's not good. Um, <laughs> it just makes her feel like her dad is better at this than you are. So just, you know, uh, I know what to do in that situation. <laughs> never let Kelly's father be the knight in shining armor anymore. That's it. I got to... You got to mix that. <laughs> no, anyway. I think he's happy to, to let sleep. my dad take over some of that. My dad's a retired engineer. So, you know, oh. he has a, a mind for looking at diabetes graphs and everything, too. So I think he's happy to be like, okay, the more good eyes on this, the better. <laughs> it sounds like you might have given that to your son, too. That, that eye yeah, for math yeah, and that stuff mind, like that. Yeah, that math mindset. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, um, going back to... Do you want to talk about the loop for a little bit or do you have something else you want to sure. talk about? Yeah. No, so, I'll talk about anything. So what's like, whatever I'm here now. I mean, <laughs> I'm here. I stopped my kid from learning for this, so we might as well finish. Um, what oh, happened? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trusting that he's in another room learning. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, he's not. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's true. He's not. Luckily he goes in person on Monday. So I'm like, ah, we just gotta get through a few more days of this. <laughs> it's interesting to me that they go some days, but not other days. I don't, my, I well, this is a, uh, we, we've been all virtual and then we're going all in person starting Monday. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, my brother's uh, kids' schools just, you know, they were like, we're going. It's fine. And then yesterday he texted me. He's like, yeah, they're all home now. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I'm just waiting for that that email on Friday afternoon saying never mind. But <laughs> well, coronavirus is a little bit like being in a fist fight, and I'll, I'll, I'll let me explain my my thought here. And I'm not saying that everyone should go back to school or shouldn't. I, I'm not a you know I'm not a, a specialist on how germs spread and how disease you know proliferates. I'm just saying. Don't hit me if you don't want to get your face knocked in. And so, like, unless you're willing to stand and fight to the death, don't start. And so, like, I I don't understand sending a whole group of people back to school and then the minute someone gets coronavirus, sending them all home again. Meaning, did you not know that wasn't going to happen? Exactly. There will be some cases, right? Yes. And didn't you say... Like and did you say to yourself, well, if it happens, we're going to send everyone home? Was this just like, well, I hope it doesn't happen? Was that like, <laughs> is that what you were doing? Were you five years old, going, maybe it won't be us? Let's everyone cross our fingers. Like you know, like either either send them all in there and give everybody coronavirus because that's what's going to happen eventually, or don't go back. But like the the whole hoping that germs aren't going to spread in a school doesn't seem like a plan to me. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Either do it or don't. But you know. Once you start swinging hands, you can't stop in the middle and go, please stop beating me. I want to give up now. <laughs> That's not how a fight works. So um, anyway, I don't know. It just it seems like a ridiculous notion to me. Either do it or don't do it. But, you know, don't do it imagining that, like, you know, the laws of physics and science aren't going to apply <laughs> to your situation. That's <laughs> very strange. I don't, I'm just going to jump out of this plane without a parachute. If I If I feel like I'm not stopping... I'll just call do over. Like it's not gonna. Just, I don't know. I just, I think it's a fascinating way. I, w- I understand people wanting to go back to school and their lives and everything else, but either you know, I don't. I don't know. It's just it seems like a lack of pre planning to me or common sense, one or the other. Um, so you said some days on loop, there's good days and bad days. So are is that wrapped around types of food? Sometimes is it when you don't pre bolus? Is it when? Yeah. When the loop this gets is away really from you, really tricky. So I even have like one of an amazing um, one of the loop mentors from the group and everything helping me out. Nice. And there are days where we are just scratching our heads, I think, because I we can do the exact same food, exact same quantity of the food at the exact same time with the exact same level of activity for a couple days in a row, and still see big differences, like big differences. So. I don't know, <laughs> you know, and, and at some point I just have to be like, I, I can't understand it all. Let's just look at the, you know, let's look at the trends as best we can and go from there and just assume that some days are going to be just really confusing and we have no idea what the difference is. <laughs> I just put in more. Um, I don't even question so, it. Yeah. I don't know. So sometimes when people talk about all this like stability or like, oh, well, now I'm sick. I just do 110% override and then I'm fine. I'm like, I just like, that doesn't make any sense in my world at all. <laughs> There's no, there's, we've never had that much consistency ever. I don't think you ever have one week is totally different from the next week and day to day is totally different. It's like, I don't know if it's just the growing children or what. And definitely our middle is more variable than our oldest, but yeah, I have to tell you, we try our best (laughs) overrides never work for me. Yeah. Like that idea of like, you know, there's, I mean, for people who don't use loop, there's basically a, a slider that's just like more like turn everything up 10%, 20%, 50%, like everything down, you know, 30 whatever. You just slide it and it, it's it's in my understanding impacts like basal and mm-hmm. insulin sensitivity and you know and all this stuff and I just don't see it. It doesn't work like a bolus works in my opinion. And I would say that when when loop becomes untenable to me, 
I just treat it like a a tantruming child and it sits on the sofa for a while. So I just open the loop and then I act like I normally act and I put it back to where I want it and then close the loop up again. That's it. I just, I've given up on trying to make everything perfect all the time. That's exactly what we've done on the days where we just have like these highs that aren't coming down and loops, not, you know, getting them down. I I'm just like, we give up, we're opening the loop, we're bringing it down and then eventually we'll close it back up. Cause it's just, it's not worth it. Yeah. Because in my opinion, if your settings are working for days in a row and then suddenly don't work, I mean, it, it seems like madness to me to try to pin down why it didn't work on Thursday and to, and, and, and even if you could figure it out, how are you going to make a change for that? Cause like you said, there's is variability that you, you can't figure out. You don't know what the variability is. So when variability hits and causes, you know, the need for more insulin, I always just say, just meet the need, just give yourself the, the insulin your body's asking for. I know that becomes difficult for people because they say then how much, because they're scared to do too much. But you know, I'm always just like, I'd rather do too much than too little. So, um, I'm always just sort of on the aggressive side of that. Uh, but yeah, I hear that's you. what we try to do too. Like, especially those the early night. Hold on one second. Go ahead. Sugar prayer. Thanks. Sorry. That's the husband that doesn't wake <laughs> um, up or one of the kids. Yeah. You know, my husband has, he's actually still in the house. He hadn't left yet for work. So I was like, oh, go take care of this. So <laughs> one kid's dropping just a little bit, but right. um. How? Yeah, we definitely are more of the mindset of I'd rather give a bigger bolus and catch it on the, you know, if we overdid it, catch it as they're falling yeah. than, than well, waiting it out. Well, you would same. definitely think that because you found the podcast on day one. So I must be like in your ear when you're thinking about it. Is oh, that- yeah, totally. I know when people are like, oh, well, it totally changed my life. I'm like, well, it did change my life, except this is all I like new. <laughs> I never, I never had those months of bad advice. And, you know, I'm very fortunately, you know, we got good advice from day one kind of thing. So right. I could take, <laughs> I didn't have yeah. to like unlearn stuff. <laughs> yeah. We can't take the podcast knowledge from you for a few months so that you can really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I really believe that that finding it early is a big deal because I'm helping, I've helped two different people in the last number of weeks. Right. And the one person's kid, excuse me, I got a little dry there. Well, the one person's kid, had um, diabetes for years, and they had built up fears and misconceptions. And so telling them the right thing to do was hard for them to accept. But then I started with another person who hasn't had diabetes very long at all, and they're just willing to listen. Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier to get them to a good place than it is to get somebody who's got preconceived notions of things um, into a good place. It takes those people longer, too break bad habits, I guess, or, or give up on the ideas that they thought were true and that ended up not being true. You know what I mean? Like, I love people who are like, mm-hmm. my, no, my basil has to be lower right here, or I get low every night at 1130. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's right. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, I think you're getting low at 1130 because you're super bad at dinner. And, you, you know, like, like I, I'm, I'm looking at your graph and you, you screw dinner up every time. And then it, then you correct it and then it makes you low at 1130. And then you've got your basal super low and then you correct and there's nothing to stop the correction. You shoot back mm-hmm. up again. And I'm like, you know, it's just very often has nothing to do with what you're looking at in the moment. And um, a newly diagnosed person will hear that and go, okay. And somebody who's had diabetes for seven <laughs> years and has been living with it for seven years is like, no, no, you're wrong. I get low every day at this time. My basal has to be lower right here. I'm like, uh, okay. So it's a hard, it's a hard sell to tell somebody to turn their basal up to stop a low. You know what I mean? 
which is a roundabout like thought. At some point, I mean, you're just so nice to do all that. I would be like, then why are you coming to me for help if you're not going to listen to what I'm going to tell you? That would, that would really frustrate me. I'd be like, well, then just keep doing it your way. I, well, I, I, I am more direct than that, especially in person. I, I did I did say to somebody recently, I was like, look, you know, do whatever you want, but it's going to go wrong. And when it goes wrong, <laughs> I don't have enough time to talk to you about it the rest of the afternoon. And so they did it and it went wrong. And then the next time I spoke to the person, I was like, so, you know, like I can unfollow now if you don't want to do this. And they're like, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't be sorry. Just, you know, and and it's fine for them to have to go through their process. I'm not trying to push anybody. You you know what I mean? Like the worst thing you could do is, well, I don't know. I was going to say the worst thing you could do is make them do something they don't want to do. But I mean, if it works, then you'd think they would accept it. But I've actually seen people watch it work and still reject it. (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's how bad the fear can be sometimes. You know, they're like, no, that they actually think that when it went right, it went right by mistake. I'm like, no, we did this. We made this happen. You, you know, like I, I somebody said to me, they're, they're, they're going to rise now after the meal. I'm like, no, they're not. They said, well, they always rise after the meal. I'm like, yeah, that was when you were doing it. I'm like, when I'm doing it, they're not going to rise after the meal. And trust that. And for the next three hours, they just they're on pins and needles. You know, and then you'll get a text like, I can't believe he didn't go up. And I'm like, I haven't thought about it once, just so you know. Like, I, I saw the bolus work two hours ago. I, I haven't thought about it since then. Um, but then they get to it, which is really gratifying and uh, nice. And in honesty, Megan, helping other people sharpens my skills for talking about it on the podcast, too. So yeah, I get something out of it, too. You know what I mean? Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not completely altruistic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! But yeah, it sounds like you. I, it sounds like you're very fluid. I, I like. I really like that. Well, good. Yeah, we try to be. What do you ever? Is it always one or the other, or do they ever both work well at the same time? Oh gosh, I don't know. There's a few days where we have like really good days, and you're just like you're like afraid to even look at the numbers. So like if I look at them, something's going to go wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I you know it's been. I said 19 months and up until maybe two months ago, I think I had probably had maybe five full nights of sleep, (laughs) Um, you know, because there's always something with one of them, you know, when you have two of them, you're just up all the time, just even between the blood sugar issues, but then the technology issues, like we went through long periods of times where we just had so many um, signal losses on Dexcom and things like that, or, you know, all the compression lows and <laughs> something's always keeping you up. Um, and now I, I have been getting much better sleep, um, since loop, although again, we we are higher than where I want to be at night. But, um, right now our goal is again, to get a little bit more stable, mm-hmm. even if it's a little bit higher and then bring it back down. So I'll take it for now <laughs> and we'll get there. Um, and, then I feel really guilty on the days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I slept all night. And then I look, I'm like, oh, it's because they stayed higher. <laughs> Shoot. Because <laughs> I, I feel kind of bad, but I'm like, you know what? I, I need that sleep or I can't look at these graphs and make any sense of them because my brain won't work. Yeah, no. Are you So when you're trying to bring the stability to a lower number, are you doing it with insulin sensitivity? Or are you making the insulin sensitivity more powerful? Most of what we've been playing with at night has been, yeah, the sensitivity. Yeah. Well, I, so Arden, you know, because Arden's older and she has a period, she's basically three different people every month. And with loop, I've figured out that it's a small increase or decrease of basal 
in conjunction with a small increase or decrease of insulin sensitivity. So whatever way it's moving in, if she needs more insulin, then I make the sensitivity stronger and turn the basal up a little bit, and that seems to do it. And then, you know, when she's super stable, there's that week where she's terrific, and then you just turn it down to the lower edge of, you know, basically this range that I have. And for everybody listening who's like, stay the range, what percent? I It doesn't matter. <laughs> what I do for my kid. I'm just, you know, like you're going to have to find the range for yourself, but it's just, I found, I basically figured her out three different ways. This is who she is in week two. This is who she is in week three. And this is who she is in week four. And then as we roll through week to week, as soon as you see the telltale signs of it, you just make the change in the settings and everything's fine again. It's really, um, it's about stepping back in my opinion and not looking to, micro at everything you gotta have to see the bigger picture sometimes you know yeah and that's where like when we see these big differences that last for a few days at a time i just can't help but think there has to be something with them being growing children that is a hormone um based change too um and so that's why i wish it was like a pattern i wish it was like oh for this week they're like this and for this week they're like this because I feel like we're just guessing every time there's a new change. You're like, oh, okay, well, we'll just go with the swing and yeah. try to figure out like why they suddenly swung high or, you know. I don't care about the why as much. Like I would just feel like like this is my stronger settings and this is my weaker settings. And yeah. when they start getting higher, I just flip right into the stronger settings. And then I'm, I used to have that yeah. when we first switched to Omnipod, I had um, different basal settings and they did work pretty well for a while. And it would be like, um, I had my, they were labeled weak, strong, and stronger or something were my, <laughs> my basal profiles based on like what they seemed like they needed that day. Nice. Um, and they actually worked pretty well, but it was kind of funny when like the endo saw them, she's like, so which, <laughs> she's like looking at the names of it, trying to make sense of it. I'm like, um, she's like, wait, I look at this now and your, your stronger is actually weaker than your your weak or something. And I was like, yeah, I know over time they've morphed and the names don't make any sense anymore, but it makes sense to us. So that's all that matters. Stop looking for but, clarity. This like, is I working. Like I probably should have named them that way. <laughs> yeah. One, two, and three. Uh, yeah. It, 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 I think that also as they morph and you start changing, 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 there is a time where you have to just, they're bastardized too much. You almost have to throw them away and start over again. Yeah. Not if that makes oh, sense yeah. or not, but at oh, some yeah. point. Oh, yeah, that's what we did. That's yeah. why we were like, well, I'll just go to loop and start fresh. You, you've <laughs> turned so many dials so many times that you've lost the thread of common sense and you just have to start over. And I do that. And then I just I pick one basal rate and I start over again. And then I adjust off of it. And I, I'm going to tell you that the other day, Arden switched to Fiasp. We're trying something. Um, we really like Apedra, but we're. We're just trying Fiasp for, you know, doesn't matter why right now, but we're trying it. And I had her switch successfully from one insulin to another in six hours. And oh I hear gosh, and people, people are like, oh, my God, it's going to take forever. I'm like, eh, will it? Or will I just turn this a little bit and then this a little bit and then it'll all work again. In the end, I've come to think of. Is the insulin doing what I mean for it to do or is it not? Like, I, I, I don't think about the rest of it. I'm just like, is it doing what I want? I put the insulin in here. Here's my expectation. Did that not happen? If it didn't happen, it's not enough or it's too much or I didn't do it for long enough or short enough. It's just I want it to do what I want it to do. And when it doesn't, I try something different. I just don't 
stare and I don't, you know, I don't whip it around like, you know, a hundred, a hundred percent higher. Um, but I also don't move so incrementally slow that it takes days mm-hmm. to get to it. You know what I mean? Oh, because yeah, yeah. by I then, then something changes by then and you're like, then you don't know what happened again. You need to be in that, like, um, in that space, like when I talk about, I'd rather see you do something first. So the next thing happens, you know, you made happen so that you can change it. You, mm-hmm. you know, like, so you can see, oh, I did this and then that happened. I should have done a little more, a little less, a little sooner, a little later. But once you do something at eight o'clock and then try to figure out the next day at 9 a.m. what happened, like, there's no cause and effect left. You can't make decisions about stuff like that. So it's micro for some things, macro for other things. And all I can say is you get good at it at some point. Um, or at least I did, and a lot of people who follow the show do. So I think it. I'm hoping I, yeah. that's me soon. I, it worked better, just not. I wouldn't say. Great. Yeah, I, yeah, I also. Hey, have, can I can you, I uh, gr- just take a break for like two minutes? The youngest has been running around the house yelling, "Mommy, mommy!" <laughs> oh no! Listen, we can just. We're almost at an hour. We can stop here. Like, we, let's not have the kid out there crying, okay. thinking you abandoned him. <laughs> I you, just you like, I feel like that's gonna be in the background. Is mommy. he? The, is he, he is in the background. I let it go because it's fun. Is he younger? Is he the littlest one? Yeah, so yeah. he's three now. Can't handle himself? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought maybe, you know, it's only been a whole 10 minutes he's been alone where my husband has left for work. But no, <laughs> somehow he's still out there being like, oh, my gosh. What? You, they is. left us. They left us. This is it. <laughs> she's probably you know, we had a long talk beforehand. Mommy's going to be in the office. Nah, you forgot that already. He's I telling, just need a little bit of time. He's telling your oldest right now, I hope you know how to use the stove, man, because I can't drive. <laughs> We're dead, man. We're dead. They're gone. <laughs> this kid totally could do that. Like He comes down and he, he's stealing food from like the highest shelf and all the time that's why we're always like oh gosh please don't ever get diabetes because if you do like <laughs> i don't keep eating. i can't stop you from eating this kid just is always stealing food nah, Megan, this now was he terrific found me he's here now yeah um, <laughs> hey what's it uh, we don't we're not saying anybody's name that's all right um but yeah like that's it's totally cool listen this was a really nice conversation i don't know if we talked about anything but i had a good time and i felt like we did so that's good enough I did too. thanks for having me this yeah. is really fun oh i'm glad that's excellent i appreciate you wanting to do this yeah thanks for having me A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N.com forward slash juice box. Thanks also to the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. You can find that meter at Contour Next dot com forward slash juice box also look into the test trip saving program and the possibility that you may be eligible for a free meter contournext.com forward slash juice box i have a couple more seconds for you after this i want to thank megan for coming on and sharing her story and i want to leave you with the couple of minutes that happened right before we started recording because they made me laugh let's see i could turn the volume down a little bit too you sound pretty good like that. Okay. Actually, there's something in the background, a television or something like that, that's coming through loud and clear. Mm, all right. Let me go see that. It might be my kid on his e-learning out in the Yeah. Tell, him, tell him there's no school today. Okay. That's it. I'll we're, go move him to another room. We're making on, a podcast. Right <laughs> all right. Hold on one sec. Take your time.
people's kids are such a trouble. Children always want things, need things, always making noise, need to go to school. Uh, 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 School of all things. Okay, I'm back. You didn't have to hit him. I'm just kidding. (laughs) If you're still here, I appreciate you listening to the end. Please support the sponsors using the links. And don't forget the T1D Exchange. Super simple to do to help people with type 1 diabetes. It also supports the show. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Fill out the survey. It only takes a few minutes. It's 100% HIPAA compliant. A million percent anonymous. And you're definitely going to help people with type 1 diabetes if you take the time to answer the questions. And those questions are not that difficult. They're not hard. They're easy. You know the answers to them already. They're not overtly personal. It's just the kind of data that they use to help people with type 1. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon.